He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, theology, life. We left Jonah, Jonathan, standing, dripping wet, stinking to high heaven, <laughs> on a beach, uh, vomited it out from the belly of an enormous fish, and he's now got a second chance on life. This is it. <laughs> this is that his poor, new life. Poor fish. That poor fish. That poor fish. Yeah. <laughs> poor fish, but... I got... Here's Jonah, and he's he's got the sun rising behind him, and and the Lord's given him a second chance. And well, I, I don't know about you, Timothy, but I am filled with optimism right now. I am just filled. It's been, you, you know, if we look at uh, our theological track, it's been downward, 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 downward. It's been this downward spiral in Jonah's life. Um, he downward he goes into a storm downward he goes overboard downward he goes to the belly of a fish downward he goes all the way down to Sheol finally we're back on a dry land now and I'm optimistic how about you well I mean knowing Jonah <laughs> I don't know if is everything be... gonna get yeah I don't know if we should be so optimistic is everything gonna be okay well I think that's what we're gonna find out right that's right that's right. And so I think we should read it. I, we're, we're actually um, into scene four of the book of Jonah. We've done scene one where Jonah, re, you know, he runs away. And then we did scene two and we saw the uh, Jonah in the middle of the storm and he gets suicidal. And then we did scene three and, and that one's probably the most dramatic, you know, in the belly of the fish. Right. And here we are now, scene four. Scene four, Jonah's on the beach. Um probably somewhere near Joppa, a lot of people think. And he's got a, if he wants to um, follow the calling of the Lord, he's got a long journey ahead of him. So let's see what he does. You want to read it? Yeah. All right. So here we are. We're in a brand new scene. We're looking at Jonah here. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Yay, Jonah! <laughs> we had some reason for optimism, and we, we can be a little bit optimistic, He did we? it! <laughs> yeah, he did it. He did it. And the narrator's very clear about that, right? We can, we can line this up with chapter one, and we're going to notice a lot of similarities. There, Jonah didn't do the things he was supposed to do. And uh, here he does. Isn't that right? That's right, yeah. So, like, we could start from the top and just say the chap both chapter 1 and chapter 3 start with a word from the Lord. And it's the same word. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Actually, it changes just a little bit. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> and, then, and then Jonah's faced with the same uh, choice. Am I going to go to Nineveh or not? So we're, we're playing this same scene again. And uh, Jonah gets it right, you could say. He gets it right. Um, so this is this is a really cool thing. We got to celebrate this. We got to give Jonah a star, I think. That's what my daughter gets at school anymore. Anyway, 
<laughs> where before, and I love how the narrators were so clear about this in Hebrew, where before the Hebrew narrator has the Lord saying to, to Jonah, get up and go. And then it's reported to us that uh, Jonah actually gets up and goes down. Isn't that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How it's presented here. We're told Jonah's told get up and go. And he gets up and he goes. It's so he, it's it's obedience, right? It's faithful obedience. He actually does what he's supposed to do. It's really good. Gold star for you, Jonah. Good Congratulations. job, Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> now there is this is an interesting change that happens here, though, uh, in in this calling from the Lord. It it says in chapter one, it says, "Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it." But here in chapter three, something's going on because we have a different word from the Lord. It's just a change of one little preposition in Hebrew, but you can hear it in the English. He says in chapter three, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message. So not against it, not against it too. In Hebrew, uh, in chapter one, it was all. So it's against uh you know, the Lord is is coming for Nineveh, but here it's L, isn't that right? And it's to Nineveh. Yeah. So God's coming. It's there's at least a suggestion here. I mean, we don't we don't know. OK, OK, Lord, what do you, what's going to be proclaimed to it? That's still a question that we're going to discover together um, as the narrative progresses. But it does seem like there's something different that's going on here. Yeah, it's almost like the Lord is looking at Nineveh in a different way. Like his heart is so big for Nineveh, he just wants to save it. He wants to give them grace. So he's going to proclaim a message to it instead of against it. It's just a stunning um, little change of one word. But it, it really kind of sets the stage for what's coming up in the chapter. Can I just highlight God's grace here for a second, too, because you you did just there, too, where the narrator tells us here that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And what's what I think is so powerful is that uh, at, there is not a single word of condemnation here from the Lord, not a single word to Jonah that says, hey, Jonah, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a second chance, but uh, you know, after it's two strikes and you're out, though, buddy. You better get it right, or he doesn't. You know, it doesn't say that, does it? And or nor does it say, "Hey, th- he doesn't." The Lord doesn't drag his sins before his face and say, "You know, remember last time you ran off to Joppa, you tried to get to Tarshish." There's not a word of it. The Lord doesn't revisit. It's like he doesn't remember it. You know, he doesn't revisit it at all. He simply says, "Go to the great city of Nineveh." and proclaim to it the message I give you. And, you know, kind of the the reason why I bring it up is because I think we can use this idea of a second chance um, in a wrong way. Uh, you know, like, uh, how many um, sermons are there on the Internet? I mean, you guys can go search this, you listeners. How many sermons on the Internet where it says... Uh, it, there's a sermon based on this text where it says, God is the God of second chances. Is that really right? Is that really what's what's being said here? 
he's look if, if you want to put this in a law category god is actually the god of no chances you mess it up you're going down that's what the law says or if you what we have to do though is we have to put this in the category of the gospel and say god is the god in jesus christ of eternal chances yeah he's he gives grace to sinners is what he does is he calls us right back to our callings and says get back after it i love you i'm calling you to this i've forgiven you uh get back after it so it's not like um god's counting down until you have no chances left um, right oh i see what you're getting at in, in fact yeah i love the point that you just made like he's actually dishing out grace to everyone here he's dishing out grace to jonah and jonah didn't deserve it and he's dishing out grace you know at least alluding to it to nineveh to nineveh and so everybody's getting grace here that's that's god's number one principle in how he operates in the world <laughs> and we're gonna see yeah. like actually that makes a lot of people angry that god would work on the principle of grace in the world but that's for chapter four we should, we're gonna save that so here we got god he's dishing out grace to everyone in sight and and we and we see a response from jonah it says jonah obeyed the word of the lord and went to nineveh nineveh so we could say that he got he did two out of three of the commands that god gave him god said to jonah the lord comes to jonah he said go get up and go and so jonah got up check that's that's his first act of obedience in the book right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Let, gold star for Jonah. Check that's one. It. And and then he went to Nineveh. Check that's number check two. number two. Two out of three. We're like sixty six point six six percent of the way there. Infinity. <laughs> and and we are. You know, it's interesting to know we're left hanging here in scene here in scene four. Is Jonah going to open his mouth? Is he going to preach? Is he going to, because the whole point is that he's going to go to Nineveh and preach. And, and the narrator leaves some space. He leaves some doubt there about whether Jonah's going to actually fulfill his calling or not. Uh, and, and, and that's where we're going to leave the scene. But we can at least say this. Jonah did two out of three of the commands. Two out of three. And he found his way to Nineveh. He's two-thirds of the way there. He's He's being faithful so far. And then we get a little bit of a geographical chunk here to let us think for a second uh, about this question. Is, is Jonah going to, you know, can be completely 100% obedient? Is he going to say what he's supposed to say? Is he going to communicate what he's supposed to communicate now that he's there in Nineveh? And you do have this little chunk that we should just briefly discuss here about Nineveh just just this mention where it says Nineveh was a very large city it took three days to go th through it now in the Hebrew it's a superlative sense uh, it says it's you got a translation here it says it's a very great city um, and a, a lot of commentators I'll just mention this and Timothy you can fill us in more on it if you care to but a lot of commentators will just mention that how big this is in God's heart is really the point. Really the point of this is that God really cares about this great city. And I made a point about this when we first started this podcast 
it's not necessarily that that God is looking at uh, the technology or the commerce or the economy that's here. This is a great city because there's a lot of people here. Yeah, there's a lot of people here that God really cares about. And the point here, I mean, Timothy, you're in a huge city too, and I know you have a heart for urban centers. Um, you know, here at our church, we we went to the center of our city too, because we believe the same thing. God has a heart for people. We're trying to be where the people are. Yeah, and <clears throat> there's a really unfortunate translation here. Just about every English translation gets it wrong and hides what's going on in the Hebrew. But what it says there is now Nineveh was, when it says in English, very large city, what it actually says in Hebrew is it was it was a great city to God, to God. So God's name is totally left out of the picture there. But, you know, it's either talking about this city, it just belongs to God. It's an object of God's grace. Like God looks at Nineveh and he says, I love that place. I love those people. And, you know, the English translations just totally mess it up. They they miss the the point there. And, and I think that's really important for us. Like, I think, Jonathan, we have to talk about spiritual geography again. We talked about that before. Like we talked about the spiritual geography of Joppa and Nineveh and um, Tarshish. Tarshish, right. How we're trying to get to Tarshish and we're spending time in Joppa trying to get to Tarshish and we don't want to go to Nineveh. Well, you know, why would we go to Nineveh? And, and here God answers it because God loves Nineveh. Because God loves you. And and so we have to we have to start right there. And 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 we just gotta start being honest with ourselves. Why is it that we have such a hard time finding our way to Nineveh? Yeah, to those places and to understanding that that God really does want to reach all people with his with his preaching. You know, it, it's striking to me. Uh, you and I did uh, a similar sermon series uh, back after Easter this past year, and one of the, one of the scriptures that just absolutely uh, blew my mind when I studied it more was a scripture from Acts. Peter said Peter preached uh, some amazing sermons in Acts, but one of his most stunning ones to me was was a sermon that he first preached to himself, and he says that he's the one ironically who's having the epiphany and it was the it was the sermon that he preached at Cornelius's house where you know we we all understand that Cornelius there uh, actually wasn't the one having the conversion Cornelius was already being heard by God we're told that in the scripture there he was already a believer um, he had some things to learn certainly about Jesus that that um, Peter revealed to him but Peter says this he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And then he goes through, and if you read his sermon, he says that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He says that Jesus Christ went around doing good and healing all. And he's, then he comes to his big conclusion, and he says, all the prophets, now this is where it connects back to Jonah, because Jonah is a prophet, all the prophets testify about him that everyone so you have this all-inclusive god everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name and for whatever reason that message 
of the unconditional gospel uh, in the Christian heart, even in the Christian heart, it's so difficult for us to comprehend. And I think each one of us can think about our own hearts and think about what group of people is it that we think God should not reach, mm-hmm. that God should not care about, that we should not preach to. Who is it in our hearts? Is it is it somebody with, uh, is it ISIS? Is it today's ISIS, who, by the way, hangs out near Nineveh today? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it them? You know, God doesn't care about them. We should just destroy them and not preach to them. Uh, is it is it somebody with some kind of sexual revolution agenda? Uh, is it them? Uh, who is it? Political or is party. It pro- <laughs> you know. uh, it, or uh, I, I've, I've noticed this in, in communities of people who really value grace. Is it Pharisees that you that you shouldn't preach to? Is it people uh, who are legalistic that that you don't want to love, that you don't want to go to, that you don't want to preach to? Who is it that in our hearts we don't want to love? That's a question we all have to ask. And what God is doing here in Jonah's life is he's trying to help him change his theology. All right, mm-hmm. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to love that city. I want you to love those people. I want you to preach to them. Right, and there's there's so much here. The hardest thing to do, the hardest thing for all of us to do is to go to Nineveh and just be content with that. To go to the people who have hurt us deeply, to the people who threaten us, to the people who, you know, trample on our rights. These are the people that God says, Stick with them, forgive them, uh, be, go to them, the people I've called you to. And we're like, uh, I don't think so, Lord. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's always a, there's always grass greener on the other side of the fence. Like, I, I don't want to go love that boss who's just been beating on me. I don't, I don't want to go to work today. I, I don't want to forgive my wife who once again clawed me. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't want to go home. Uh, that could be the other thing, too. Like, I don't want to go I don't want to love my kids who are driving me nuts, you know? I'm going to yeah. disappear into uh, into Netflix program or something like that. Uh, I, I don't want to do that. You know, one, one of the most stunning verses in the Bible, I just want to read this one. Um, I've been reflecting on this idea of, of, of my calling in life. One of the most stunning verses in the Bible, I think, for all of us Christians uh, to hear is one from 1 Thessalonians, where where God says uh, to us through Paul, he says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, to make it your ambition. And now this is where, like, <laughs> oh, wow. you, think, you think he's going to say something like, uh, I urge you to do something amazing and mind-blowing, like become a missionary to Africa or or um, go change the world or something huge. But he says, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And you're like, how disappointing. <laughs> how disappointing. He says, you should you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. And so, so the Christian life 
is to go into the callings of our life that are that can feel so humdrum, that can feel so uh, so dirty as you work with your hands, and to go into those places and say, "This is where God wants me to dig in. This mm-hmm. is where God wants me to love." love people. This is what my ambition should truly to be, to love the friends who are getting a little boring to me now, to uh, to uh, romance my wife when I'm not sure I want to romance her. You know, to, to go to those places and to live there and to love those people is an opportunity that sometimes doesn't really thrill our hearts, but is exactly where God is calling us to. Well, and it's so countercultural. You know, it's so countercultural. We have a world that's telling us, like, I, I think um, McDonald's has this right. And I hope that's kind of making you sick thinking about double cheeseburgers right now. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> do you remember when you could supersize it? Uh, you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you right. Get that the was supersized fries and, oh, like, get to the end of the french fries and it's just not a good thing supersizing it that's american culture we want everything in our lives supersized we want money we want power we want people to respect us we want to supersize our vocations because we're simply just not content with the smallness of our lives and so it's, it's so hard for us to go to nineveh it's so hard for us to be content because we always want growth we always want more but here, there's one author that made this point, and I think it's a stunning way. He did it in a stunning way. He said that not all growth is positive. Some growth is actually cancerous. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, think about right. that. Like, mm. oh, like some growth is, is a tumor. And what if the it moves us mm. away from God's heart? It moves us away from our vocations as we you know maybe we're moving up the career ladder maybe we're doing this and it 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 changes our ambition from a quiet life from the callings that the small callings the boring callings that god has given us and um towards something difficult yeah they're difficult callings who wants to you know when uh, for example if if you're if you sit on some board at your church and and it's your job to make sure that the toilets gets plunged you know how boring <laughs> get, get, i want to i want to i want to lead worship i want to i want to do this i want people to see me and stuff like that but it some of these things are just are difficult for us to want to do in our hearts but look but look i have this image in my head timothy i have this image of my head because I'm, I'm convicted by this talk right now, and I can see how my heart has run away from callings that I have in my life, too, that I'd rather not do. Uh, I have this image of my head, uh, of my Savior, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't look at me, per se, and say, boy, I, saving him is going to just be all Tarshish and Joppa. You know, <laughs> it's going to be, it's just going to be all uh, rainbows and gumdrops. I mean, he was, he was sweating blood over this thing that he had to drink the cup of God's wrath on my behalf. Uh, callings from God, because we live in a fallen world, are always hard. They're always thorny. You know, you can go all the way back to Genesis and find that out now. Our callings are going to be hard. 
because we live in this world that's been cursed. But they are so valuable. They are so mm. valuable. And in fact, Jesus shows us how valuable callings really are because in his calling, and he was called to be the Messiah, and nobody else has that calling. Only he has that calling. When he fulfilled his calling to be the Messiah, he saved the entire world. He saved you. He saved me with with the blood of his suffering. And God is showing us in that, not only that we've been saved, but that when we go and serve our wives, our wives, uh, or if, if you're a woman, you serve your husbands, and uh, you serve your kids who can be so difficult to serve. You serve your communities. You serve your churches that, by the way, all of our churches are messes in certain ways. It's difficult. It's hard stuff to stick in there and do. But God is saying when we do that, we're participating in a much bigger plan. Mm. Amen. Yeah. And that's called going to Nineveh. That's it's a, going to Nineveh. That's a beautiful thing. And see, here we have Jonah going to Nineveh. He's going to Nineveh. He knows it's going to be hard. And, and we're going to wait and see, you know, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? You ready for that? I'm ready for that. <laughs> podcasting scripture one book of the bible at a time for more information visit www.project1517.com or our facebook page we do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on itunes you can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website this is project 1517 scripture theology life